that, that's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Hello, Ed Larson and Amber Nelson from the brighter side here to check in with you, see how you're doing. Is your day more disappointing than a gas station sandwich? Are you trying to put one foot in front of the other in a glue factory? Did you try to throw your air fryer in the bathtub, but nothing happened because you were too lazy to plug it in first? Then the Brighter Side podcast is for you. Oh, yeah! Each week, we take nasty, dookie, stupid, dumb, stinky, no good, doo-doo factory, caca-like topics, and try to find the brighter side. Hey, Amber, uh, what's the brighter side of waking up chained to a bed in Russia? Um, at least they have free health care. That's right. So start your weekend off right every Friday with The Brighter Side on the last podcast network. You beautiful babies. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Anders Breivik could have learned a lot from reading Dune. <laughs> uh, we were, I was yelling uh, to Marcus about yeah. Dune before this because there are inherent things that Marcus does yet fully understand about Dune. Well, because like I was a telling normal human, yeah, because <laughs> I was telling him like I, you know, even tried the audio book listening to Dune. It's just I just can't stand Frank. Herbert's writing style I at all in any in any form. I, you're, you're turning people off to the show in droves, and that's fine. You can alienate <laughs> people. This is a subjective show. But, you know, it's important for Anders Breivik to understand, because this is what I explained to you before, is that they were talking about the idea of being afraid of a white savior complex inside of Dune, right? The idea, mm-hmm. but the whole book series is about how a white savior just fucks everything up. Like yep. when they show up, any savior, anybody who says that they're the number one that can fix absolutely everything is lying to you. Or they have to turn to a despot to do the whole thing, which is my big plan. But honestly, <laughs> if Anders Breivik understood more things about Dune, he'd understand his one-man war against liberalism wasn't going to fucking work because what you need, honestly, is the actual Knights Templar, which is the one thing he didn't have. He claimed he did. Exactly. But he didn't. No, I guess Dune is the salve for all the world's problems. Come on, guys. Get into it. His name is Frank. You don't <laughs> want to live in Dune, though. It's no. awful. No, not the Fremen have figured out how to live on Arrakis. Yeah, uh, and figured out how. It's fucking awful. Yeah, plenty of people have figured for- out how to live in the Sahara, but the- you don't want to live there. to hide from the Harkonnens. Or we'll see. All right, fuck this. Welcome to the last podcast on the left. We're not getting into Dune and the Harkonnens right now. You know the national anthem of Araxis? Oyakomova. You fucked up. 
It's Araxis, and that is Abraxis. That's the Santana album. You are correct. It is a bridge too far. My name is Marcus Parks. I'm here with Dune Master Henry Zabrowski. Yeah, I'm the and Dune Poon Master. And Poon Master Ed Larson. Whoa, hey now, hey. Let's ask Julie. Is he the Poon Master? <laughs> and we're here for the conclusion of our series on Anders Brevik. And that's where the joking stops. <laughs> Because today's episode is the real serious shit, but we're going to... We, we got some breaks in there. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, unfortunately, the, the episode was brought to you by not going to therapy. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. is... Because if he had went to therapy, uh, we would be talking about uh, Swedish fish. <laughs> you know I mean? I don't know what we talking about. Our world's scariest meals. <laughs> <laughs> so when we last left... Anders Brevik, the date was July 21st, 2011, and he just parked a van containing a homemade bomb in a garden center in Oslo in preparation for his day of terror. Now, after parking the bomb, Anders headed to his mother's duplex to sleep, so he'd already be in Oslo when it came time to kick off the plan. Do you think he showed up with like a corncob pipe and a straw hat being like, yeah, mom, just came from the farm all during my life. <laughs> like he's the guy from the, it was the, the Columbia Beans. <laughs> so at 12.30 the next afternoon, Brevik sat in the fart room and sent out an email to the 8,000 addresses he'd farmed from Facebook. This email contained his quote-unquote film, a list of right-wing websites, and his 1,500-page manifesto. Problem was... Such a massive send got stalled after it was sent to a thousand addresses because the spam filters marked Bravik's manifesto as garbage. Nailed it! <laughs> <laughs> and therefore, most of the people who were supposed to get the email never got it. You know, and, and upon reflection, it's not a very good manifesto. Yeah. <laughs> How far did you get? I read a couple hundred pages. A couple hundred pages. Yeah. Good for you. That's not bad. No, it's bad. <laughs> well, undeterred, Brevik left his computer going just in case the other 7,000 emails broke through and left his browser on a website that showed the day's program for a summer camp on nearby Utoya Island, which was attended by the youth wing of the National Labor Party of Norway, known as the AUF. Now, the reasons why Anders Brevik chose Utoya Island were simple. The AUF was actually a pipeline for Labor Party leadership in Norway, so Brevik believed that he was exterminating the party leaders of tomorrow. It's the old nits make lice justification people use to kill or horrifically mistreat children. The Nazis used it all the time. Utoya Island was also a fair distance from Oslo. It was only reachable by boat or ferry, there were only a few places to hide, and it had a large concentration of people on a relatively small landmass, 564 people on just 26 acres. But while there was a fair amount of older staff and visitors, the vast majority of the people on the island were young adults and teenagers between the ages of 14 and 23. Yes, the true Marxist soldiers of the future. Mm -hmm. Like it's just it's really obviously it's very sad, but he uh he also just knew that this would be uh, an easy place. Yeah, there wasn't going to be anybody that was going to give him any resistance. No. So after Brevik sent out the email containing his manifesto and his quote-unquote film, he returned to the garden center where he'd parked the bomb and changed into an outfit that made him appear as if he was a police officer. After Brevik put on his cop costume, he drove the van to a tower block that housed both the Ministry of Justice and the Prime Minister's office. And this building was not blocked by any barricades whatsoever. 
This entire crime is predicated on the fact that Norway has never experienced anything like this before since the Vikings. Like, <laughs> yeah. like well, truly, I would say since the Nazis. Since the Nazis. Yeah. And so they he it, they were just kind of open for it. Yeah, they really were. He then backed his 2,000-pound bomb into an area where the impact of the blast would explode towards the building, maximizing impact. Now, ostensibly, no parking was supposed to be allowed in this particular area, but no one cared that Anders parked there because delivery vehicles parked in this spot all the time. This was supposed to be for the sole purpose of picking up and dropping off the prime minister of Norway. Yeah. And, and so basically like a guy from Domino's could just be <laughs> hanging out there being like, how did I get here? Did you order this on the app? My God, this is, what a trip. The salted herring is incredible. Though. Are you the prime minister? Here's your crazy bread. <laughs> I mean, in essence, this is the equivalent of a terrorist parking a bomb in front of 10 Downing Street in London, then walking away while the security guard shrugged and said, I'm sure it's fine. No problems here. And so, after parking, Brevik lit the fuse, which gave him six minutes to flee the scene. He then pulled his pistol out of his holster and walked away while wearing a helmet and body armor, ready to murder anyone who tried to stop him. But since Anders was dressed as a cop, absolutely no one paid him any mind, almost as if he was just a part of the scenery. See, in Norway, most citizens have an extraordinarily high degree of trust in their police force. Yeah, because they're trained to help. Yeah, I mean, they're the, the police force is structured specifically to foster trust and cooperation. Yeah, they don't go out killing people. Yeah. Yeah, that's the number one thing they don't do. Yeah. Yeah. A 2021 poll showed that 82% of Norwegians had the utmost trust in police. This is vastly at odds with the way policing is structured here in America, where the culture is more of an antagonistic us versus them mentality, where we're scared of the cops and the cops are scared of us. Well, definitely has gotten to that in 2024. The idea might have started the idea that they are uh, protecting. There was a difference between the police and the military for a long time. I know you, some of our younger listeners may not remember that, but there used to be like a separation of that. And they used to supposed to kind of help at a more local level. And then, you know, like honestly, even my father would talk about how being a cop was supposed to be about, you're supposed to help the neighborhood that you work in. Cause ostensibly that's the neighborhood you live in. And, um, and it's changed. Once they got the tanks, yeah, which I understand once I get a tank, yeah. a lot of shit's going to be different. Well, we have so many extra tanks. What are we going to do? Give him the Israel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you do? Again, I've been saying this for a long time. Every community should have one tank and that the police can have a tank if every neighborhood can also have a neighborhood tank. Yeah. And then you can go and you can subscribe. You put on a list, right? And then you, that's your weekend with the tank. Oh, you can check out the tank yes. like it's a lending yeah. library. Yes. <laughs> and again, and it's for specific things. You have a problem with the DMV. If you find out that the fucking caribou coffee is run out of your favorite mocha syrup. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Equality. You know the NYPD has two submarines? Seriously? Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. what? Wow. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah, Good for have, them. They have two submarines. Wow, cool. And 30-something thousand people work for the NYPD, which is as many... Uh, soldiers is all of Australia. Oh well, they should have um, went well, to Nor- talking about. That. You know, no, they should have went to goddamn Norway. This is the one time our police system was fucking correct. <laughs> well, but that's all to say that when Anders Breivik strolled through the streets with his gun unholstered, there was only one guy who made note of the fact that this supposed cop 
climbed into his van and started driving against the flow of traffic. Now, I'm just speculating here, but this blatant disregard for safety, it might be exactly why this guy thought something was up, because it seems out of character for a Norwegian cop. But either way, just as Anders Breivik escaped the scene at around 3.25 p.m., his 2,000-pound bomb exploded with incredible force. Instantly, a man walking near the van was so thoroughly destroyed that the only intact part of his body was his left hand, which was identified only by his wedding ring. Two young women were likewise engulfed in flames and thrown to the ground, killed instantly. The resulting scene resembled a war zone, with people unaccustomed to terrorism listlessly wandering through the broken glass and rubble. In all, eight people were killed by Brevik's bomb, and a further 200 were injured. However, it could have been far worse. Since Brevik set off his bomb in June, many of the people who would normally fill downtown Oslo were on vacation, which tells you that this bomb was by no means the main event. Rather, this was a tactic that Brevik had written about in his manifesto, make a loud noise in the east and attack in the west. But even so, had Brevik stuck to his original plan to build a 4,000-pound bomb, he could have quite possibly brought down the building where he parked. And that would have killed the Norwegian prime minister. You know, and we know that this is the, the first part of his plan. As we, we didn't go through all of the details of him building the bombs for the months that he was on his farm. It's quite tedious. It's very, very, the re, truly the reason why is because it was tedious. But it, it also shows it's his own lack of of, I'm not going to say drive because <laughs> he did have this plan, and uh, but it was it was too difficult for him to put together all of the materials. Yeah. Like he was going and going and then he realized he's just giving himself cancer that we're all still waiting for. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully that pops up soon. Let's hope so. Yeah. Do you think a 4,000 pound bomb would have fit in the van? Yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. I mean, isn't that the size? What, what was it? The OKC? I think that was 6,000. It's like, we, but he had help. It was either yeah. four. It was either four thousand or six thousand. Yeah, Timothy I, I McVeigh had a system people helping him, but that fit in a van. Yeah, yeah. It was Bravik obviously was inspired by that, right? Yeah, he definitely looked at McVeigh as an example of a fertilizer bomb. Well, yeah, that's what he put it. He was like, it was possible to make this much damage with just a fertilizer. Yeah, bomb. and they also had the same favorite quote about the blood of you know tire you know blood of tyrants tree of liberty bullshit and fuck off. Yes. Now, the witness who noted Brevik's odd behavior called emergency services and gave them the make, model, color, and license plate of the van driven by a man dressed as a police officer who was behaving strangely just before the blast. They had him. Yes, they had him dead to rights. They had every bit of information they could have needed to catch him immediately. But the literally fatal flaw here was that Oslo police had no shared alert procedures simply because it had never occurred to them to put such procedures in place. Do you have any idea how hard it is to put a siren on a sled? <laughs> it's extremely difficult. And then if you're skiing with a siren on your, uh, your hat, yeah. like, yeah, it's fun in games and everyone loves to see a guy doing it. But it's very difficult to balance, especially if you don't do it all the time. Yeah, there was actually a reindeer that knew it was true, but no one could understand. It. Yeah, because you're going, oh, Santa Claus? <laughs> well, therefore, anytime an order or a piece of information needed to be shared, everyone had to be called one by one, making timely coordination impossible. 
That meant that there were no roadblocks leading out of Oslo and no immediate search for the van that was being driven by a possible suspect. Instead, all available manpower focused on the rescue operation downtown. And that included their version of a SWAT team, Norway's Delta Force. Why do I feel like they're the like the band or like the emblem for the Norwegian Delta Force is just like a seagull with a bunch of like licorice in its like, you know, like, Black licorice, yeah, too. Yeah, the like, the, the yeah, Scandinavians like, love that black licorice. They love that. Yeah. Candy. A lot of bitter candy. Yeah. You know? Maybe it's because the weather's bad. <laughs> and then that's it. Now that's Delta Force's first album, Bitter Candy. Candy. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Do the candy dance. Do the candy dance. Ever, I think we're supposed to be doing something right now. <laughs> have you ever uh, eaten lacquer roll? Their candy? Uh, yeah. It's fucking cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, it tastes like so cigarettes. disgusting. Additionally, Norway only had one police helicopter. To put it into perspective, the LAPD alone has 17 helicopters, which is actually less than I expected. I thought so, too. I thought I it was going to be like 30 or 40. They're just all flying at all the time. Yeah. But also, you're not just got... That's just the LAPD. Yeah. You, know, you have like, you know, the, I wonder the if downtown... The, the, yeah. All around SoCal, I think there's a lot of helicopters. Yeah, yeah. Beverly Hills might have their own helicopters because they're their own police force. Most likely. Yeah. Burbank's their own city. Probably got its own, yeah. its own helicopters, too. Yeah. Good for them. <laughs> Again, my dream. It's the only one to be is India from Civ. <laughs> you just want to be a pair Military guy, you, you just want to be like a full, but 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 a good guy, a like good a nice guy. guy. When they, oh, when they find out go. that you, you find out I'm an army, and then they're like, ah, he's a good guy, he's a good guy. Yeah, as soon as you got to say I'm a nice guy, I'm a good guy, I'm that means you're guy. a piece of shit. Oh no 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 no! It's like the way we did on tight series this week about how you always know if somebody's reasonable if they're screaming it. Yeah, <laughs> but really, the number of helicopters in Norway was irrelevant because the helicopter crew, it was June. They were on vacation and they had no backups. Yeah, vacation. They take vacation very seriously in Scandinavia. All I, Europe. Yeah. All we got to do is meet in the middle here. <laughs> That's yeah. like all I'm asking yeah, for. Yeah, the Americans, like, oh, us working ourselves to, to death, death constantly, making a part of our culture to yes. work yourself to death and being gone for four months. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, there's got to be a happy meeting. There has to be somewhere in the, media, in yeah. the middle. They go on fraternity leave if their cousin has a kid. Yeah, yeah they're like, <laughs> I've got to go and see if my other cousin's pussy is still intact. <laughs> There's a middle ground here. Well, much of the response, it seemed at least at first, relaxed, for lack of a better word. I would say there was a, a lack of urgency to it. Well, it seems like they were showing up to help people get better or get out and not like concentrating on the who did this part. Yes, that was exactly what they were focused on. Like, let's just, we gotta, we gotta help these people and that's all we're focused on. We'll worry about catching this guy later because it didn't really occur to them that that guy, whoever was responsible for it, it didn't occur to them that that guy might be doing other shit. And also at first, they kind of assumed like, this seems like an Al Qaeda type thing, so it's probably this. It was probably a suicide bomber. They were they were saying yeah. this that that uh, at the time too. There was a lot of like spear rattling. What's the term from Gaddafi? Saber rattling. Yeah, from Gaddafi, mm -hmm. and that Gaddafi was saying that he was going to bring terrorism to Scandinavia. Like, right. and he was saying so. There was a little bit of that thing, and it's the Libyans. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that the helicopter pilot did show up. He's like, "Yeah, I'm on vacation, but." It sounds like you need me. Uh, all right. You know, like takes his wooden <laughs> shoes off, you know, stops having sex with his four wives. I don't know what it's like in Norway. It sounds nice. Yeah. But he was told he wasn't needed. 
and Oslo police didn't notify the military or arrange for military helicopters, even though the prime minister himself was nearly killed. No nationwide alert was issued, and none of the information about the bombing was sent to the media. But most importantly, even when CCTV footage spotted Anders Breivik, no one was told that the suspect was dressed as a cop. Yeah. Had this information been made public, someone may have taken notice when Anders Breivik hopped up on Red Bull, showed up at the ferry heading to Otoya Island. In his possession was a rifle, a pistol, and a pelican case containing thousands of rounds of ammunition and various other implements of destruction. Yeah, I found out that he called the pistol Molnir. Yeah. And he called the Mjol- rifle Mjolnir. 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 And then the rifle was called like another, it was like Odin's spear, which just sounds like a Swedish brand of condoms. I forget what it's called. <laughs> and, Some dumb Norse shit. But yeah. he also was like, it wasn't just Red Bull. He was, I guess it was all the epinephrine or whatever that, that, uh, the stuff that you used, they used to take out, the stuff that they took out of medicine, the good stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was, on, he was taking that solidly because that was, and then he was all up on his steroids and shit. So he was like all roided up and ready to go. And and he was kind of expecting a lot more conflict. He was. Now, within about an hour and a half, the kids and counselors on Utoya Island were getting reports of what happened in Oslo. So the news was spreading quickly. Ironically, though, as I said, the first report suggested that the terrorist bombing might have been perpetrated by Al-Qaeda. This worked in Brevik's favor. When he approached the ferry to Utoya in an unmarked van holding a rifle, which... Suspicious. Yeah, in us, in our yeah. world, we now are, we're also hyper paranoid. Now. Yeah. We're extremely paranoid. But if there's an attack and like a cop shows up with a gun, yeah, I mean, what that do you think? That's the thing. Of course. A security guard approached him and asked him, hey, what are you doing here? And with a casual dismissal, Anders told the young guard that he was there because officers were being posted in various locations around the country because of the bombing. You know, and it also like unmarked cars, like, oh, well. Good thing they're here in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? He just got here. He must have been just got done delivering his fish. Yeah. After that, the only request put towards Anders was to cover his rifle so the kids wouldn't get scared once he arrived on the island. Oh. Yeah. And then the term Anders, it's always the annoyed. It's the uh, uh. Yep. Went back to his van, found a plastic bag, which only really covered half the rifle. Is this good enough? Like, Is this yeah. good for you? Yeah. All right. Get on. This was deemed good enough. And the ferry, the MS Thornbjorn, pushed off soon after. All the baggage had been checked except for Brevik's case, because it simply didn't occur to anyone to even question whether or not he was a cop, much less search his shit. And this ferry captain would be haunted for the rest of his life yeah. for doing this. He, yeah. did, he didn't know, and he felt, because uh, I guess he did try to run a loose, op, uh, like a rescue operation after to help, yeah. but by then it was already like too late. Now, once the ferry arrived at Utoya Island, 600 yards from the mainland, the security guard at the dock was immediately suspicious of Brevik, who by this point was getting a little twitchy. Almost immediately, Brevik nearly blew his cover, giving fumbling answers about his supposed assignment. Yeah, he's not going to be on whose line (laughs) anytime soon. He's one of those guys. Some comedians can't improv. (laughs) Everything has to be written. He left it all on the table with his manifesto, and even that was bad. So Mm -hmm. he's no George Carlin. Nope. 
But pretty soon, Brevet convinced the security guard to help gather everyone on the island to meet at a single location, a grassy slope near the main building. And here, if you could hand out these neon shirts, that would also help. Uh, yes, these orange shirts, if you could handle these whistles as well and have them begin to whistle. Oh, don't when, forget the glow stick. Yes, if you could, it's almost going to be sunset. Yeah. And the, I mean, this was under the guise of like, we got to brief everybody on this bombing. So let's gather everyone together in one place. But as Brevik walked behind the guard, a man named Trond Bernson, he pulled his pistol from his holster, held it to the back of Bernson's head and pulled the trigger. With that, the killing spree had begun. And now we might do little bits of, just so you know, obviously this is going to be very difficult as we go into the details of all these crimes. And I think Eddie said, you also have some really important material that will help some stuff, stuff that would really like, cause I know a lot of people look to us yeah. for emotional support. Yeah. I thought it'd be best that in order to cut the pain, yeah. I would write some really hacky Norway jokes. <laughs> oh, I thought that you were going from grief counseling. I thought these were grief counseling notes or. Yeah, no, these are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you know that Norwegian cuisine is so bad that they're changing the name of it to Sizzler? I think that <laughs> this this might be almost as bad <laughs> as the crimes themselves. <laughs> what? I'm killing. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. I, I thought it was really funny. We'll get to, we'll, we'll figure out. I, I didn't know that this didn't come from a great It's true, though, but that is a fact, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I mean, I just thought that this was. I thought this was it's written was down. Yeah, I thought that came from the guy from nine eleven. That one guy who made people say he was make him not sad anymore from nine eleven. Walking with Brevik and Bernson was a woman named Monica Bosse, who was only there because she was married to the captain of the MS Thornbjorn. Brevik shot her too, and after she went down, Brevik straddled his first victim and shot him twice in the head, then did the same to Monica. Once the shock wore off, the captain, who was also walking next to Brevik, ran over to the grassy hill where everyone had gathered and warned everyone to run for their lives. That's when the chaos began. Now, one of the misconceptions about mass shootings is that the perpetrators are wild madmen reveling in the moment, laughing maniacally, something akin to natural-born killers or Jake Busey and the Frighteners. Whoa, interesting example. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, he's very much, he was into it. He was. But, but it, no one's seen that movie. Yeah. <laughs> People, <laughs> and, you can People have seen the Frighteners. The just, Frighteners is a classic. Imagine Jake Busey, who is Gary Busey with less rules. <laughs> yeah. So imagine that. In reality, though, most mass shooters carry out their task with cold, calm precision, methodically working their way through groups of people while exuding a thick atmosphere of stoic inhumanity. In all, Brevik may have been the best example of this behavior. When a young AUF member ran up to him asking for help because he was dressed as a cop, and this would happen again and again, he shot her without the slightest hesitation, then took aim at a group of kids 30 meters away. There was a, uh, a very interesting GQ article from the time period that interviewed a lot of the survivors uh, and talking about what it looked like. And one of the things that struck me about the imagery of Anders Breivik from a distance looking like a lone police officer, but the way they looked at it is that they also said that the, the vision of him was so kind of unbelievable because, yeah, he was dressed in a police officer uniform, but they also thought it was interesting that he had the rifle that he had was like, so absurd, yeah. right? Like it was way overpowered for what the what uh, he, anybody would be trying to do. And they said it was it had this massive silencer on it and the bayonet attached to it. And then he had the pistol in the other hand, like walking like the Terminator. And there was like that. There was like a moment of almost being like, 
who's this fucking cartoon character? Like, yeah. before you're even scared, it was way more like, why is he doing this like this? Like, this is not like... The, the absurdity of he, it. He showed up to, like I, like, I don't know, I guess it's about the shattering of an innocent afternoon like it's about that mm -hmm. but it's also he was such a pussy that he arrived with this like an army style like like he's you bait to kill children yeah now he, i know i think i asked this question before but how many rounds of ammunition did he have with him three thousand yeah how do you even carry that a huge box that yep. you took four people to lift onto the ferry and then they lifted off the, the ferry and then he made a little base of operations and so he brought it into the he went through the main kind of cafe area and cleared it out and then he put all his stuff out yeah and that became his like little center his little war room well he immediately dropped a 22 year old member of the auf by hitting him in the shoulder with a rifle bullet then he calmly walked up to him fired again into his neck to make sure he was dead. This would be Brevik's chosen method of execution. Get him with the rifle, make sure they're dead with the pistol. But for the victims, the most terrifying part of their ordeal was that Utoya Island didn't have many places to hide. There were few buildings, much of the island was made up of open fields of grass, and the formerly thick forest had been reduced to a few sparse trees. As far as swimming for it went, a lot of the island was skirted by sheer cliffs, and even if they did make it to the water, they still had to swim the equivalent of six football fields. And there was always the chance that Brevik would fire at you while you were swimming away. Well, that was one of the original plans, was to shoot in a circle, get everybody, that's the way he viewed it, was to get him in the lake. And then he would pick everybody off from inside the lake. So yeah. that's what he kind of thought. He'd sweep them into the water. So was it a lake? It was yeah, a lake. it was a lake. Okay. It was an island in the middle of a lake. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, within 10 minutes, the local police station received a call from the boat captain who told them that there was a man dressed as a policeman shooting kids on Utoya Island. By this point, Brevik had already killed nine people. While walking through the camp buildings looking for more victims... Bravik later said that he almost disassociated from the situation, imagining that he was carrying out a raid in World of Warcraft. Dissociated is the is a kind word. Yeah. I would say he uh, didn't give a shit. I said almost disassociated. Yeah. Yeah. He quickly cleared the main building, going from room to room and shooting anyone he found inside. It then occurred to him that some of the kids might have been feigning death, so he went back and shot each kid who was laying on the ground in the head to make sure he killed him. A lot of them got two bullets in the head. What very much surprised Brevik, though, was that hardly any of the kids were fighting back or even running. Instead, they begged or simply screamed in terror. In one case, Anders brought a pistol to the face of a girl who was in mid-scream, and he fired into her open mouth, killing her instantly. Others were shot through their hands as they tried covering their faces in some instinctual, ineffective bid for protection, while some sat frozen against the wall in the hallway of the main building while Brevik shot them one by one. When I read that witness testimony, it, it was I think it was important because then I saw from in, inside their heads, like kind of why. Why like they why, froze. Why they froze. Because they, they all kind of said the same thing. This doesn't happen here. Yeah. They all were way, they said the beginning wave of the shots came and they were mostly driven by curiosity because they didn't understand what the sounds were and they didn't fully, they heard people saying this and they're like, oh, this must be a prank or people are freaking out. Like no one thought that this could happen yeah. to them. They're all raised to be kind, gentle human beings. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there was, there's a lot going on, but it's more like neutral. 
Also understanding that you can deal things with the, there's diplomacy and there and that you're supposed to deal things with bureaucracy and government. That is the nice part of a left leaning government. Yeah. Rationalization. Yes. Yeah. Now this is the uh, the definition of it can't happen here. It can't happen here. Now do you have any statements about that? Does anything help? Do you have anything from the grief counselor to help? Uh yeah, um trolls, you know, in Nor- Norway, there's lots of, you know, they're a major part of Norwegian mythology. And most trolls, I don't know if you know this or not, Henry, but uh, most of them are uh, known to be short, stubby, unkept creatures who feast on anything from stones uh, to children. And in America, we call them Zabrowskis. <laughs> I don't understand Burn, how this fucker. is helping. I don't know <laughs> why this grief counselor thought got that, your ass. that this would help. I didn't think that I would come into this scenario, this very serious moment, mm-hmm. and be uh, roasted. In Burn such a the troll. And that makes Burn. me really angry. <laughs> well, your, your, your nose job looks great. <laughs> I am untouched by surgery. <laughs> I know a lot of people don't think so. Live from your grave. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right. Give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. 
Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. Well, incredibly, Brevik's entire spree in the main building alone took less than two minutes. By the time he left, He'd killed 13 kids and critically injured many more, then moved on to shooting the tents that dotted Utoya Island's open campsite. Meanwhile, Norway's lack of a centralized response system was making the police response painfully slow. And incredibly, even though it was well known by this time that there was a shooter on the island, the Utoya Island ferry was not being used. See, the ferry had returned to the mainland after dropping off Anders Brevik because the leader of the AUF, a guy named Eskel Peterson, had used it along with eight others to escape the island themselves immediately, even though there were still over 550 people trapped on the island with Brevik. This is one of those moments where I'm not going to speak ill. I don't know this person or or this family, but this is like this is bad. He was yeah. heavily criticized. Yes, he <laughs> left uh, everybody to die. And he, uh, was, this, he was in charge, and he yeah. was the guy that Breivik was technically there to kill. Yeah, he'd been one of Breivik's main targets. I yeah. mean, he was so set on killing him that Breivik had studied photos of Peterson to make sure he could recognize him once he saw him. In some kind of fucked up way, I feel like if he had shot Peterson, he might have actually ended his spree a lot sooner because he would have gotten over he would have gotten the thing that he came for so this guy uh he just kind of left all these children to die yeah well in his defense he had just filled his subway sandwich card and i get that yeah because that <laughs> shit runs out yeah. he decided everyone, that was his plan for the day and, and you guess know, what man can't break those plans it doesn't roll over yeah. no, i yeah, thought yeah, that yeah. if you i thought if i could leave that to natalie because mm-hmm. i have a collection of these yeah and they said no the, <laughs> the lawyer said no the mm-hmm. state said no so i you know I don't I know what's going to happen when she kills me. <laughs> well, as it went, Peterson's decision to leave was heavily, heavily criticized, especially when witness testimony came out describing the anguish that some of the critically injured kids felt as their leader fucked off to safety while they lay on the ground bleeding to death. Could you imagine being shot in the field and the guy that you're doing a bunch of free work for? Let's just face facts, right? You're an intern. Well, this is summer camp. Yeah, but yeah. you know what I mean? But a lot of these, they're still, still interns or kids. And you're watching the guy that it's telling everybody to do, being like, love your hustle. <laughs> oh, yeah, good work in there. Are you t- you're a real rock star, Bjorn. <laughs> you know, like that guy? And you're doing a bunch of free work with him. Watching him duck and cover, run into the ferry. And they're all like, he's going. He's going to save He's leaving. Yeah. And then you just watch the ferry just pull off. Nobody, mm-hmm. plenty of room. Yeah. Literally uh, 200 people could have went on the ferry. Yeah. He just left. But yeah. do you think if they would have sat there and loaded 200 people on the ferry, don't you think Bravik would have just fucking, not, it would have just like 
loaded into it. You know what's weird is that, as we'll get to, Anders Breivik was looking for an out. Like, he was yeah. kind of looking for an out. He was trying to find a way for... Because, like, right before this, they did definitely contemplate committing suicide. There was a moment before he was coming from the from the bomb to Utoya where he was going to... He was going to do it, the thing, to be a full martyr. But then he was like, oh, but the trial. Yeah. I got to get there for the trial. And yeah. so that's why he continued to move on. Mm. Now, back on the island, an 18-year-old named Anders Christensen had found a phone he called the Norwegian version of 911, telling them that a shooter was loose on Otoya. Fjord, fjord, fjord. <laughs> <laughs> Incredibly, though, the operator argued with Christensen and told him that he was wrong. There wasn't a shooter on Otoya. There's a bombing in Oslo, you fucking idiot. And so the kid hung up and huddled together with a group of kids who were all quickly found by Brevik and executed. Now, by this point, Brevik was looking at the situation with a degree of fascination. The more he killed the more he began noticing little details of death. For example, he said that when he shot someone in the head, he heard a sort of exhalation, a breath coming from the hole he'd made. Instead of horror, all he could think was how interesting it was, all while he alternated weapons to make sure he at least had one gun loaded at all times. Now, by 5.40 p.m., about 25 minutes after Brevik began, Norway's elite response team, Delta Force, finally left Oslo for Otoya which, unfortunately, was about an hour's drive away. Okay, time to go. <laughs> like, you, oh God. Yeah, it's, if they had the helicopter there, could have gotten there a lot faster. These aren't my work shoes. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I can't wear my, my casual cardigan out. I became Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, local police who were at Utoya Island looking at it, they were ready to go but they were told to wait until Delta Force showed up. Problem was, Delta didn't know where Utoya Island was because their GPS was giving the wrong information. Oh, my God. The G- they and it wasn't look. a well-known place. No, not really. No, not to everybody. But and, still, you know, like, it's just all of these things. It just it pains me. Well, I know that, yeah, of yeah. course. And the rendezvous point for a full assault kept changing for one reason or another. In other words, Norway was entirely unprepared for an American-style mass shooting, and the extreme panic that came as a result cost them dozens of lives and casualties, which is not necessarily something I blame them for. They just weren't ready. It's why yeah. he did it. It's, yeah. It literally is why he did it. It's because he knew they weren't ready. And yes. he did it because it would be easy. If he felt that... The, I think there was a... Obviously, there was a moment where he thought that he was just going to get shot by a bunch of cops. Mm-hmm. Like, he kind of thought that the military was going to roll in. Yeah. And then when they Yeah, like it's five stars on GTA. Yes, that's what he... When he wanted that because he wanted all this attention. But even after all of this mayhem, people still didn't care about Anders. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, people don't do mass shootings at police stations. They no. pick malls and Yeah, they pick where it's, where like, it's yeah. vulnerable. Where it's easy. Well, case in point when it came to the surprising nature of the attack was when Brevik decided to give himself up at 6 p.m. This is after he murdered 40 people. He still had 29 to go. Because he'd forgotten his cell phone in his van in downtown Oslo, Brevik made his way into the island's cafe and found a cell phone. There, he dialed the number for the local police and said, quote, Yes, good afternoon. My name is Commander Anders Bering Brevik of the Norwegian Anti-Communist Resistant Movement. Irish. I'm on, You're going Irish. I'm just doing my best. <laughs> I'm on Utoya at the moment. I want to give myself up. 
You have the worst Norwegian accent in the world. I, yeah. <laughs> I was doing the German then, which is closest for me. That was the closest I was trying to do. And then I was trying to do subtle. And every time I try to do the subtle, the subtle Scandinavian, it goes Irish, Canadian, or back to German. So I'm just kind of sticking to what's sort of a Sven. You're sticking atmosphere. to you're doing Swedish chef. I'm yeah. sticking to Sven because that's what I know. And that's what you guys get. That's what the Scandinavians get. I'm doing my best. Yeah, you should have sucked on a bunch of licorice before you got here. <laughs> no, because then I would have, again, it would have soothed my stomach and I need that fire inside in order to do the show. Amen. Now, the cell phone didn't have a SIM card, so the number didn't register on caller ID. The operator asked for Brevik's number in case they got cut off, and tragically, the call did indeed drop. But instead of calling back, Brevik put down the phone, walked to the water's edge where more kids were trying to escape, and continued shooting. And think of the boredom inherent in this. There yeah. is a there is this level of just total like he was tired. Yeah. He was tired. He was done. Like he didn't feel like he the was Red not, Bulls worn off. Yeah, yeah. he's just as a I guess that's like one of the truly one of the worst aspects of this story is his I'm kind of almost wishing for an Osama bin Laden style energy. Yeah. You know, a little bit more no. get up and go. Like it, it's just straight it, it's like apathy. It's boredom. It's yeah. boredom. It Sheer apathy. Yeah. Doesn't care. Now, one of the stats that usually go unmentioned when it comes to the Otoya massacre is just how many people were actually shot but didn't die. While Brevik killed 69, he wounded a further 110, meaning that one out of every three people on Otoya caught a bullet from Anders Brevik. Many of those 110 survived much of the time, however, on sheer luck. For example, one girl who was shot in the face crawled out of the cafe while holding her own jaw. And just by chance, a woman who knew first aid found her and saved her life. And luckily, she did so in a spot where Brevik did not return. Because concerning Brevik's path, he had enough time to circle the entire island, finding more and more kids waiting on the shore for rescue. Then he had time to do it again, sometimes finding and shooting kids that he'd missed the first time around. So people who stayed in the middle were more likely to be saved. Yeah, well, there, there were well, people I mean, that were treading water depend, in the lake. It all depended on what time you like. If you stayed in the middle in the beginning, then you were more likely to be killed. But if you went out to the edges and then moved to the middle, then you were more likely to survive. It just it was there was just no way to know. Like, yeah. It was sheer fucking luck. And they're to, all pacifists. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they also are just not. They don't understand what's happening yeah. because they they are now as you begin to understand, but like. How are we all going to get together to find the guy? Also, they're children. They're all like 14 yeah. to 21 years old, essentially. Yeah, but I think at this point, I, I think... Because they don't have military ma training, and it's not one of those countries. Yeah, they do. Where, do they have to yeah, go to military Norway, training? Norway has mandatory military service. But that's not... This is kind of a lot of times it's before. I mentioned this before they have to go. And like by military service in Norway, a lot of them have to be waiters. Yeah. <laughs> Again, this came from the grief counselor, uh, Dr. Reverend Boingo. Because <laughs> yeah, remember, uh, Anders uh, got out of his mandatory military service because he um, he had to take care of his mom who had herpes so bad she had to, have she a had pump. to get her head flushed. She yeah. had to get her head pumped out of yeah, all the pus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Yeah. So I would imagine some of them. I cannot go. My mom is filled with sex juice. Yeah. <laughs> she has to be sponged. So I would imagine some of them did have some military training, but the vast majority of the victims were under the age of 18. Yeah, they're also not prepared for this. They've yeah. not come. This is not wartime. Yeah. They are on a summer camp. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, Delta Force had finally arrived across the water, and 10 heavily armed officers boarded the local police's red rubber dinghy. It's the kind that you usually see on, like, rafting expeditions Mm -hmm, or, you know, lifeguards, something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bad for taking Delta Force over. Yeah, because their gear's pretty heavy. They're real heavy. And so the boat's outboard motor couldn't work effectively. It was like halfway down. And about halfway to the island, the overworked engine gave out. And pretty soon the dinghy started taking on water. And that's the story of how Delta Force drowned. They could have. (laughs) On the way to do it. They all, the entire SWAT team drowned. They absolutely would have drowned. I just can't. It's just like, it's technically funny, but it's not. It's the sort of. Three Stooges style running around like bailing it out like it's a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah. But it's not. But the whole time they're hearing pop, 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 yeah. pop, pop, pop coming from the uh, coming from the island. And they're all just panicking. Everybody's panicking. Yeah. Delta forced them to uh, continue the shooting. <laughs> <laughs> Is that too much? Yeah. Yeah, well, we cut <laughs> There's editing. There's so much editing to be done. <laughs> Well, I mean, the thing is that suddenly, like, a good Samaritan appeared in a rowboat, and all ten cops got on the rowboat. But they, had the, the boat! but they had the same problem with the weight. It's they're moving too. De- they're actually moving slower now because they can't use the rowboat is too heavy. Mm-hmm. And so another rowboat showed up, Ugh. and so that way the officers could go five and five, and that sped them up considerably. But they're still on a rowboat, and they got like three hundred yards to go. I mean, I don't mean to compare, but then I think about like Charles Whitman, mm-hmm. like how Charles Whitman's lighting up people from the the bell yeah, tower, the bell tower UT, but, yeah. But then like. 40 guys with guns around. You know what I mean? Like, it's such a different oh, no. em- scenario oh, no. in America. And, you know, and like, fuck, and it was and like, well, during Charles Whitman's shooting, like, remember, there was a dude, a regular dude in an airplane shoot flying around the tower <laughs> yeah. just fucking shooting it like it's, like it's not it's very different it's yeah. not pro america but it's like the one thing we got on lockdown well, is that everybody's dangerous yeah. <laughs> like everybody from house to house can be dangerous that's actually one of the big reasons they say why we uh like truly why America has yet to be fully invaded. Yeah. Which is one of the most dangerous things about us is that the entire population can be motivated and mobilized, which, you know, it's not good when you're going to the mall or hanging out. <laughs> but if the Ruskies come, we yeah. got... Well, you know. but yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that Charles Whitman, it's 14 versus, you know, 69. Yes. Yeah. Well, the lack of police presence, speaking of which, was highly puzzling to Anders Breivik. He'd expected special forces to arrive by helicopter long before this point, but the only bird circling the island was a newscopter. Idly, Anders again thought of suicide, but again ultimately decided that he owed it to himself this to, is carry how much time. Out, to carry out his plan to phase three, the this trial. This is the fucking time he had. Yeah. He's like sitting on a stump. Had a time to ponder. Yeah, yeah. he's just like, hmm, you know, like he's hanging out, you drawing pictures, fucking playing Sudoku. When the <laughs> cops are fucking rowing to get you, it's, yeah. you got some extra time. Yeah, yeah. you're watching them come. Yeah. Do you think they got those rowboats in Orway? Yeah. <laughs> You know that one that that one did make me feel better. That one made me feel better. In the meantime, Brevik continued with phase two, even though he was almost out of ammo and had been active for well over an hour without an ounce of resistance. Pretty soon, though, Brevik himself decided enough's enough, and he tried calling again to turn himself in. 
After reaching the emergency line, he told them that he was on Utoya. He'd completed his mission. Please, someone come get me. I am tired. Yeah. I want to watch my shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to watch The Shield. Where is my iPad? <laughs> When the officer asked him what he was commander of, referring to his earlier proclamation of rank, because they're trying, still trying to figure out who the fuck this guy is, yeah. he said, quote, Knights Templar Europe, the organization is called, but we are organized in the anti-communist resistant movement against the Islamization of Europe and Norway. We have carried out an operation on behalf of the Knights Templar, and in view of the fact that the operation is complete, then it's acceptable to surrender to Delta. What followed is what I imagine to be a very Scandinavian conversation. This is the operator. You want to surrender to Delta? Can you put me through to the chief of operations at Delta? Well, the thing is, you're talking to someone with, uh, in a way, superior authority. Okay, just find out what you need to do and then call me on this phone right here, okay? All right? Hmm, but what telephone number? Brilliant, bye. I haven't got the telephone number. Hello? Hello? Nah. And then it's over. <laughs> Star 69! Yeah, Star, where is it? Where did I miss it? <laughs> of course, Brevik had again used a cell phone without a working SIM card. But thankfully, Delta Force had finally arrived, although it did take them a while to find Brevik. As Delta Force made their way north, Brevik headed south. Again, a girl saw Brevik in his police uniform and ran towards him. Coldly, Brevik asked her which person needed help. Then he shot and killed her, just giving her that little bit of hope before snuffing her life out. He then stood at the shore and fired at a boat that was trying to save the kids who were swimming for it. And that drove the boat away. Brevik then shot five more kids. He did, however, decide to spare at least a couple of the people who found themselves within his rifle sights. One older boy was spared because Brevik thought he looks like a conservative. He looks like one of us, so I'm not going to shoot him. Crew Another cut saved his life. It yeah. really did. No, you saw a picture of him. He had a crew cut. Another much younger boy whose father Brevik had already murdered was spared because Brevik decided that he was not an indoctrinated cultural Marxist just yet. He had such a hard time killing white men. Yeah. He was so sad about it. He was. But finally, a little over a minute after Brevik killed his last victim, Delta Force found him and advanced, some of them telling him to get on his knees, some telling him to lie on the ground. Brevik casually laid his rifle against a tree and sarcastically told them to make up their minds, kneeling or lying. Oh, God. Fucking... But then he also did the, he said that he arrived and he looked like Jesus coming out of the, the woods where mm -hmm. he used his hands to the side like this, where he was like... You go, you have me now. Like what's well, the the meme, mm -hmm. the thing with the the shrug meme? I have no idea what you're talking about. Shrug meme. <laughs> it's in the face with two hands like this. Yeah, the oh, shrug meme. Yeah, yeah, people send it to you, and then you want to punch them in the face. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he did. Yeah. Now, how come they didn't just fucking light his ass up? Because that's not what they do. That's not what they do. Because they say truly, they say a life is a life to us. We yeah. treat you like everybody else, which is we don't believe in killing anybody for any reason. Every single person is treated exactly the same. If he would have shot at them, would they have lit his ass up? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah, they definitely would have. But yeah. he didn't want to. He didn't want to be shot that way. He wanted to go to, he wanted to have his moment in front of the cameras. But as one officer pushed Brevik to the ground, Anders began babbling, saying that this was a politically motivated shooting because the country was being invaded by foreigners. He added that this was the start of hell, that it was going to get worse, and that a so-called third cell had still not been activated. But when they asked him if there was anyone else on the island besides Brevik, 
he finally told the truth in both the island and in his life. There was only him. Meanwhile, the full extent of the carnage on Utoya Island was being seen by outside eyes for the first time. The buildings were full of the dead and dying. The shore was covered in bodies. Rocks were stained red and clothes covered in blood and shoes that had slipped off when kids ran in terror were strewn everywhere. They said that was one of the weirdest things, so that there were shoes all over the place. God. Some of the survivors were in total shock. Some were apathetic to their rescue and others remained terrified that anyone who approached them, especially authority figures, might try to kill them. I'd probably follow that apathetic, like, thanks Just, for nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go, yeah. Work. Go yeah. work, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good hustle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they said that they would just kind of, they would they re- would refuse to move, and they would just have to, like, kind of carry them oh, out. Oh, yeah, they're all yeah. comatose with shock. Yeah. But as emergency crews transported the injured off the island and the dead were counted, Brevik was taken to a building that had been turned into a temporary headquarters for the police. There, during a long interview, Brevik spewed bullshit for hours on end. I'd like to tell our audience to go ahead and if you you are interested about the brain of a... Because like the one thing that Anders Breivik, with his constant blabbing, does for us is a view into this sad, lonely head of his. Yeah, and if The sad, you, lonely head of a narcissist. If you read his interrogation, and it's in one, there's chunks of it in one of us, and there's also, like, you can find his interrogation, like, reading through it really illustrates just how paper-thin a human being Anders Breivik really was. Like, he is a, uh, there's just, just, like, there's just nothing there. He's just some bored, shitty online troll. Yeah. Now, yeah. kind of surprised at his own actions. Was he, like, saying a lot of stuff that was in the manifesto? Absolutely. Well, yeah. Well, Ratlin, yeah. Well, after being told specifically that he didn't need to c- explain himself, they didn't fucking They're care. They like, shut up. Yeah. He insisted, saying that he had sacrificed himself for his cause and he was prepared to suffer and be tortured for the rest of his life. He oh. actually requested, waterboard me. Waterboard Water- me. And this statement may go a long way towards explaining why Brevik to this day complains about his cushy life in prison. Because if there's anything extremists of all stripes share, it's a fucking persecution complex. Yeah, he wants to be treated like a supervillain. He and it, the, the one satisfaction the Norwegian justice system gives me is the boredom with which they also react to Anders Breivik. I find that also, like, appropriate. Where his boredom is angering, but you can kind of see if you put him in an American cop, like you can see the guys like beating him or being like, you sick fuck, or like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Where like, no, it's just one board man expecting all of this like vitriol. Like he's expecting to get beat in their cell and like yeah. them all drag, you know, call him trash. Meanwhile, like they're just as bored with him as he is with what he did. Mm-hmm. Like it's this weird, like, whatever, you're just another one of these criminals that we deal with every day, yep. essentially. Speaking further, Brevik made it seem as if he was a small part of a massive organization that was geared up to carry out similar attacks all over Europe. He claimed that this organization, the Knights Templar Europe, had been set up in London in 2002 and had since gained delegates in 12 countries. And you should meet my crazy girlfriend. She's so hot and amazing. <laughs> she's just so good. She's in it too. She loves white people as much as I do. But she's in Canada right now. Don't call her. She's at work. She's so busy. Brevik then went on to try and explain his convoluted Eurabia theory, but stopped himself, saying that if the cops really wanted to know what he was all about, they would have to read his 1,500-page manifesto. Getting right on it. 
Now, after going on about Muslims, copies. Yeah, that's what is, you do. Yeah. That's grassroots. That's grassroots. <laughs> now, after going on about Muslims for a bit, Brevik noticed that one of his fingers was bleeding, which was most likely from a cut that was sustained when a skull fragment flew towards him after he shot someone in the face at close range. Was he covered in blood? No. That was the weird thing about it. Like, why wasn't he covered in blood? He, he was, should have been. It's because he was far he away. he was shooting people. No, he was shooting people at very close range. It seemed as if uh, they were like, ah, from what I've seen, because they see all the pictures, like, he was covered in gear. So yeah. maybe by the time they got all the stuff off him, you couldn't see it. But he he wasn't. Because also, he never used his precious bayonet no. that he was talking about. Yeah, he did shoot people. But I do believe a lot of it Maybe it's like this. Again, our gut nerds will very happily correct this. I'd start with Again, I respect you. But then uh, the, the idea of like, I think it blows out. So we think a lot of times if you shoot somebody from close range, it's not like exploding up at you. It's yeah. exploding out the back where the exit wound is. Probably. But if you're shooting someone at very close range, maybe the skull just explodes. I, I don't think know. it did explode, but then maybe yeah. it's not as much juice. Yeah, maybe. I've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is that I don't know, like, the thing... Let's you're go shoot about, a bunch of watermelons outside. I'm about to say Come on, let's have fun. You're talking about, like, our gun nerds out there. It's like, you guys know about shooting people in the head. You can tell us about... You don't worry. tell us about... Like, that's not talking to our gun nerds. That's talking to the murderers. They never fail to know <laughs> every single thing, Marcus. That, that is true. Well, Brevik immediately began freaking out when he noticed that he was bleeding. He said that he'd already lost half a liter of blood. Oh, he could feel it coming! Because yeah. he also said he had had too many energy drinks, mm -hmm. and then if he didn't get a drink, he was going to die of dehydration. Yeah, so they gave him a soda. Yeah. But in the end, the cut itself was less than a quarter of an inch long and was easily bandaged. This was the only injury Anders Brevik would sustain. And this is also all of his, he's negotiating, he's trying to get him to like, he's like, you know, I'll give you the information that you seek, but there's things that I'm going to need. Yeah, you know, he's saying, like, like, I needed a computer with Microsoft Word installed. I need it now, and I need a Wikipedia. Yeah. And then he also said he, and then he got his Coke, he got a cigarette though. He didn't mm -hmm. get a cigarette, and he got his Pepsis. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. Well, that was the one thing, they kept giving him the stuff, and after a while, it's just like, every once in a while, it's just like, just let one American homicide detective in there. Just <laughs> Let one yeah. in there. There just isn't like, one mustache in the crew. Just one. <laughs> just hit his head against the table just one time. You know, yeah. just somebody in there. Be, like pee pee in his coke. Like yeah. the old affirmation. Or at least poison him, anything. Something. Yeah. Well, steering Brevik back to the practical, the police asked him if there were any explosives back at his mother's duplex. In all serious, in all serious, vagina. <laughs> in all seriousness, <laughs> in all seriousness, Brevik said, "Quote: No, but there's a PC in the fart room." He told he told the cops it was a PC in the. He actually used the word the fart term room. fart room. Yeah, yeah. Anything of interest in his mother's duplex was in the fart room. He said, while the rest could be found at his farm. Finally, Brevik said that while he was proud of his operation, the killing itself was absolutely awful. Later adding that, quote, it sucks to take a human life. Now in this, I actually believe him. You I, know, we'll talk about it. it. Yeah. Well, I don't think he ever really expected to make it to Otoya Island, nor did he really want to. In fact, he flat out said that if he had a choice, quote unquote, had a choice, he would have skipped Utoya. But once he was there, I think he convinced himself that he didn't have a choice. That is, if he wanted to keep believing his own bullshit. I, I think that this is the example of this sort of runaway 
narcissism mm-hmm. that takes it to a like a clinical place where he just I think he felt nothing when he's saying it sucks well, to I, take a human life. I think life. he didn't like it, but that's the thing is that he didn't like it. Like I don't like doing the dishes, but he will yes, and it was a shallow affectation about what he just did, yeah. and that he, oh, he does it time and time again. What makes him, I think that, you know, people throw the term narcissist around, but I think part of the reason why I use it specifically with Anders Breivik is because he shapeshifts comparing, depending on who he's talking to. So I think there is a little bit of the, it sucks to take a human life. He's saying that to these police officers because there's a little bit of him that's trying to ingratiate himself with the police officers. He's trying to make them think, oh, he's just this political kind of figure like I kept saying he's like I wish I didn't have to do this these they're all forcing me to do this this yeah. is all like everyone's making me do this because I have to do this horrible he said there's a difference between brutality and tyranny like there was like this me and he was like sometimes you have to do something brutal to get people to pay attention to your cause but it's all this still like but as you'll see he didn't yeah. actually care. He didn't actually care. I mean, he talked about how awful it was to take a life. He talked about how he felt for the parents. He talked about how scared the kids were. And then he'd openly yawn. Yeah. It would, the next thing out of his mouth would be a yawn. And he'd ask how much longer the interview was going to be because he was all tuckered out from his big day. Because they were really trying to get out of him like, are there other terrorist cells? Yeah. Like, are you about to blow? Is this going to be a massive strike of terrorism across the entire city? Yeah, that's why they're like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, you can have a fucking computer with word. Who gives a shit? Tell well, me that. It- they did the Norwegian thing, which is nice because <laughs> they passive aggressive. We're like, we will look at the we will look at the circumstances of your arrest. Like they do with everybody mm-hmm. and decide all of these things you can get. And so it had to go through the full red tape <laughs> of a left-wing government that had like which i in that way is nice because then it took like eight weeks and then they were like <laughs> unfortunately no you cannot have a pc with the wikipedia on it no. <laughs> from your grave. did you hear that that's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like give it to you. how about that that's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. That, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I- I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins as soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, once the forensic team showed up, Brevik told them that he didn't want to have his photo taken because, as per his own instructions in his manifesto, a terrorist needed to control his own image. Instead, Brevik tried convincing them to use one of the photos he'd posted online, either the one where he was pretending to be a Freemason or the one where he cosplayed as a member of the Knights Templar. Was he able to run that past his press agent? It's so hard. My, these publicists, it's so hard to get him to pick up the phone, but I guess this is a big moment for him. Yeah, this have, is his Grammys. Mm-hmm. They have course refused and took a picture of him looking tired in an armchair which is good again they're doing little bits they're getting getting their little more subtle shots well they're waiting until the trial for the big one yeah next they told him to undress he refused twice but suddenly leapt up and started tearing his clothes off they stopped him and got him to slow down because they need it for forensics but once he was down to his underwear he started jokingly doing bodybuilding poses for the camera and everyone in the room just stared at him until he nervously laughed and acted normal. See, again, that's where that true, powerful European disdain comes in. That it, it, it's The slightly, Norwegian stone face. It's yeah. so much more powerful, maybe, in a way. Because, like, again, we would just beat the fucking shit out of him. We'd stick a broomstick <laughs> up his ass. Yeah. But then, like, they, they're just that, that withering... I remember the look. Yeah, it was just in in, the, in Germany when we were doing our show in Berlin, and the in the end, I remember just being like, "So where would you go out after the show?" It's like eleven thirty, and they were like, well, "We have you on the list for the hottest club in Berlin," and we're like, "Oh, great, we'll go hop in right now. We'll grab a drink and go to sleep." And they're like, "That look, I'll never forget the look on the promoter's face when he was like." One does not go to the club until one thirty two a.m. Like that yeah. look, and I will never recoup no. from that look. Like it was very rough. So I can imagine really, a group of men. You know a place where we can just get a beer? I just yeah. need to get this. I, I'm tired. <laughs> man, have you ever had to undress in front of the police? No. Oh, no, no, thank God. Uh, no, no, man. I, well, I've been to jail. And uh, I remember the first time I went to jail and I had to undress in front of the police. Uh, they, they made me undress. And Did you show them your butthole? I had to show them. They they had me. Lucky cops. The, the, cop, the <laughs> cops are like, all right, take you. I'm completely naked. And they're like, all right, now uh, turn around and uh, bend over and talk. And I was like, what? And so I was just like, hey, hey. what's going on? How hey, you doing? Hey, how about the, cop, yeah. the cop's like, cough. I said, cough, not talk. <laughs> So many of them, Larson, there's a lot of guys that say, I look like one of the guys from Duck Dynasty. But I say, I look like Schmuck Dynasty. You know, 
<laughs> Meanwhile, police had found Brevik's mother, Venka, and had hauled her into headquarters for an interrogation all her own. As the interview went on... This fucking bitch. Yeah. As the interview went on and the scope of what her son had done dawned on her, she naturally made it all about herself. Incredibly, she said that this was almost worse than her son being a homosexual. Think about this. Think about the fact that he, she said this. Yeah. Like, that's wild yeah. to me. Yeah. It explains a lot. Yeah, it really does. I mean, that may give you some insight as to why, if Brevik was in fact gay, he never even entertained the idea of coming out. Because it's at this point, his mother, th at this point, she thought that he had killed only 10 people, not 69. But even then, like 10 people, she's like, this is almost worse than having a child who's a homosexual. That is, oh. it's wild. Yeah. She was just upset she hadn't had the chance to give him herpes yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, she, not for lack of trying, <laughs> because they were super close, you yeah. know. Finally, though, I was the only person he ever kissed. I'm certain. Yeah, uh, his mother. Yeah, no, he uh, he had that one that politician. Yeah, I politician still don't lady. think they ever kissed. The I way she kissed. talks about it. Do you think they butt scissored? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> horn to horn. How I knew we would spend our lives. You can fart in my mouth, and, <laughs> I, and I fart in your fart, and we we fart in your put your fart in my fart. <laughs> uh, well, finally, Venka found a way to make the deaths of all these people all about herself, saying a refrain that she would repeat over and over again in the coming years. Sobbing, she would say, I'm the unhappiest mother in Norway. Yeah. At least his father was like, I wish he killed himself. Yeah, his father <laughs> checked out. <laughs> now, when it came time for Brevik's pre-trial hearing, he demanded that he be allowed to wear his Knights Templar costume. It is not a costume. It is a uniform. <laughs> this request was roundly rejected. They are you a fucking idiot? No. He was also disappointed that there were only seven people present at the hearing because phase three of his plan was entirely dependent on a media circus. But on this day... There were only court officials, lawyers, and Brevik himself present when he was charged. Now, when it comes to punitive measures in Norway, there is a wild misconception when it comes to their sentencing. Famously, Norway has a maximum penalty of 21 years in prison for any crime, including murder. But what people often ignore or just don't know about is that those 21 years can be extended indefinitely every five years for another five years if the convicted prisoner still represents a danger to society. I mean, it's a massive pain in the ass that every five years we're going to have to hear from Andres Breivik, mm -hmm. but that's how their system works. We still got eight years to go before that starts happening. Oh, we already, we've already heard from him twice. He was yeah. in 2022. He had another thing because they were allowed to, because technically he got a, a parole hearing at 11 years. Yeah, well, he, he gets to go because you have to serve 11 years. Yeah, he sued for it, yeah. We had to hear from Manson all the time. But Manson yeah. was fun. Well, Manson's we a funny guy. Did, did we have to or did we get to? Yeah, we got to, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's Anders Breivik's album? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. At least Charles Manson had a skill. Yeah. You know, he was a beautiful voice. Yeah. But when it came to Anders Breivik, he was almost sent to a hospital for the rest of his life instead of a prison. The only person who stopped that from happening was Anders Breivik. See, pre-trial, several forensic psychiatrists examined Brevik to see if he was responsible for his own actions or if he was legally insane when he did what he did. They wanted him to be insane. Yeah. 
Interestingly, though, during those interviews, Brevik was treated as if he was the most dangerous man in the world, what he always wanted. For the first 11 sessions, the psychiatrist refused to be left alone in a room with him, so he was placed in a corner with his arms shackled to his belt behind three tables while two guards looked on. On the 12th session, they locked Brevik in a plexiglass cube like he was fucking Magneto. Yeah, he was getting off on all this, and he was, like, interrogating the psychologists. Yeah. He was, like, trying to ask them if they were Marxists, if they believed in multi culturalism and they all just kind of the withering looks of a bunch of people being like so why would that be important to you yeah like that's all they would do you know like not giving them jack shit turn it back on him now if you do something like this aren't you by like aren't you crazy no by like you no yeah i total crazy legally from what i have understand my limited understanding but it's mostly like you in that moment don't understand that what you're doing is wrong or like that you are so well, mentally he ill. Right? No, yes, he did. No, well, he, he understood completely. Yeah, because he told the cops in the interrogation, like, it really sucks to take a human life. I wish I didn't have to do that. I feel bad for the parents. He knew exactly. He knew that what he was doing was wrong. Completely. He was. He just a, thought it was justified. So what he's is, a shithead who fancies himself a terrorist. He's a missionary style killer. So he had a plan. Like he had a whole thing that he was like trying to execute with them. The murders were something else they weren't like it's not like with a a normal like a regular quote-unquote serial killer where it's sexually motivated or power motivated or one of these other type of things like it didn't come from inside he believed which i i still like take it back because like i don't i will never give him the the the, he likes being a terrorist he Mm. wants to be called a terrorist i will still call him a mass killer but they uh they he knew what he was doing was bad, so he's not crazy. But what is his mental condition then? An Nar- asshole. Uh, <laughs> he's a fucking asshole. But lots he's like, of people are assholes. No, no, he's clinically a, an asshole. A narcissist. Yeah. Like he's a, he has narcissistic personality disorder. He's got something. Yeah. He's just not. He's not. That is what, that's what he was diagnosed with was yeah. narcissistic personality disorder. He's and not in, too in crazy. the extreme. Yes. But as the psychiatrist spoke with him more and more, they came to believe that he was possibly a paranoid schizophrenic, and with good reason. Brevik regularly used self-styled terms like national Darwinist, suicidal humanism, and suicidal Marxist, which the doctors judged to be a part of a psychosis. And when I say with good reason, I mean that he showed all the markers well, of being he, a, a paranoid schizophrenic without actually being a paranoid schizophrenic. Because he showed up acting as if he was a the leader of a gigantic movement, this huge terrorist organization with thousands of members and sleeper cells and that he was a sleeper cell and that he all this kind of shit and also like this was all going to happen in the year 2040 Muslims were going to take over Europe and saying all of this stuff which is like it's interesting because that's the core beliefs of these right wing groups but it's the him just expressing them they were all like oh this guy's fucking nuts (laughs) meanwhile like no that's like what a lot of people fully believe is happening now, what is a Darwinist? Is that like well, someone who dresses like a turtle? <laughs> <laughs> the idea that only the strong can survive and this idea that there's social Darwinism, which is a term that, and it was social Darwinism, that comes up a lot. That's, again, it's a Nazi thought. Um, and suicidal humanism, this is one of the dangers of his manifesto and what happened after the fact. Like, even I saying left-wing fascism is a small little blip or like of this like mistake type thing that allow you to talk about it. But 
suicidal humanism, I looked up, I looked up all these terms to see where else they popped up. And the only other place that they popped up was this thing called the Chalcedon Foundation, which is what's called an American Christian Reconstructionist Organization, ah. which is all about um, about how gay people should be executed, how unruly children should be executed, how like they want to bring and talk about Sharia law. Like yeah. it's exactly Sharia law, but it's Christian Sharia law. Okay. Like women are second. Women should be not vote. Yeah. They should uh, only be childbearing that, that fun, entities. That fun term of Yalqaeda. Yalqaeda. Yeah. yeah. Well, additionally, Brevik talked at length about a massive secret organization made up of Knights Templar cells, thousands of them, who were all ready to strike at any moment. Now, at this point, police had surmised that Brevik had acted alone, that no such network existed. Therefore, this organization was thought to be a schizophrenic fantasy. But what psychiatrists didn't take into account was that while the Knights Templar claim was a fantasy, it was more a wish than a belief. And his made-up terminology was simply the creation of a narcissist who believed that he was so smart that he could see the world in a way that no one else could. The psychiatrist in the end said that she believed that he was the loneliest man she's ever met. Yep. Yeah, that he would he survive. That, that, that was like the thing that she mostly diagnosed with, with which is like this almost like a homicidal loneliness. Mm -hmm. But when Brevik realized that he could be declared insane and therefore his manifesto would be sullied, he insisted that he be held accountable for his actions. This was in spite of the fact that he already knew that the vast majority of people thought that he, along with his uniforms, awards, decorations, and titles were fucking ridiculous. Everybody was roasting him. Yeah. During his next round of interviews with psychiatrists, he toned down his rhetoric considerably, calling him a foot soldier instead of a messiah, claiming that everything he'd said before was just an act, a role that he felt he was expected to play. Therefore, Anders Brevik was judged to be a narcissist, narcissistic personality disorder, and he was very much liable for his crimes then. In this, Anders Brevik played a similar game as his left-wing mirror image, male bomber Ted Kaczynski. We realize they're kind of close. They're, well, yeah. they're the, they are the mirror image of each other. Yeah. They absolutely Living in the are. middle of nowhere, you know, like well, no just, friends. Well, just the idea that they're smarter than everybody else and they're going to put their pain on everybody well, else because they don't get them well, and shit. But wasn't Ted Kaczynski actually smart? Yeah. Yeah. No, Ted Kaczynski was brilliant. He's yeah. a genius. And yeah. then we, we MK Ultra kind of fucked up his brain. Yeah, and, and Anders Breivik, he wasn't actually smart. No, no he's an no, asshole. No, he was an Again. asshole and yeah. an idiot. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, right. he's worse than him. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go America. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when Kaczynski's lawyers told him that his only possible defense was to plead not guilty by reason of insanity, Kaczynski refused and took the maximum punishment so he could maintain the integrity of his manifesto, industrial society and its future. And there's a lot of people that rag on him for his spelling errors inside of his manifesto. But I also want to say you guys ragging us for mispronunciations and you kind of missing the point. That's the I, this is the problem here, right? Is that you're missing the point of the manifesto. You're, you're Read not it again. seeing. You're not seeing the forest for the trees. Read it again. So are you comparing yourself to Anders Breivik? No, no he's Ted comparing Kaczynski. himself to Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> but while Kaczynski was quickly tucked away in Colorado's supermax prison, never to be heard from again, we did a good job on that one. <laughs> yeah, just fucking put him in a box. Put, put him up there with Timothy McVeigh and Khalid Sheikh Muhammad. Let them all enjoy each other's company. What a fun lunch that must be. <laughs> <laughs> Anders Breivik got a full trial in which he was given a platform to espouse his extremist right wing agenda, or he thought he was going to get exactly. Exactly. chance to do it. What Brevik didn't expect, though, was that the trial was not broadcast and not a single person in the room took him seriously. In fact, most everyone was visibly bored and highly impatient anytime he went off on a tedious rant, That's, which was often. It's the coolest 
that's the, the oh, again, that's where they rock, <sighs> which is it's a room. <laughs> it's a room of graphic designers, you know, because like they all have like, you know, like the clear glasses, like Norway, everybody's yeah. like very fashionable and cool and technology. And like them all just seem like arms crossed, just like, oh, just me when he's over. Just so many. <sighs> Did you see the judge side? The judge is like, let's go. Go ahead. Yeah, if anything, Brevik's own actions during his trial was what helped defang him because he showed everyone just how small he really was. Now, the prosecution maintained that Brevik was a madman who had lost it five years earlier after he quit the Progress Party, shut down his diploma mill, lost all his money, moved back in with his mother, and disappeared into World of Warcraft. Didn't help. Nope. They also showed his quote-unquote film, which I will now reveal why I say quote-unquote film, was because it was a fucking slideshow. Yeah. It wasn't a movie. It was a slideshow. It's it was, hard, man. Editing's hard. It was nuts. It was 99 images. It was like Soviet troops taken Berlin. You're like, this is the beginning of Marx, cultural Marxism. You know, it's photoshopped images of Muslim women pregnant with grenades. That's impossible. Pictures. <laughs> I can't have Pictures of refugees entering Europe, so on and so forth. And as a soundtrack, Brevik used church music, European electronica, and the soundtrack from the PC game Age of Conan. He used the soundtrack from a PC game. Mm-hmm. While everyone else in the court was just sort of puzzled over this glorified 2011 YouTube dump, Brevik openly wept as his quote-unquote film was shown in open court. (laughs) (laughs) And this really, like, made me rethink, like, 2010 to 2012 YouTube. Oh, sure. Because, you know, we used to show, like... I love those slideshows. We used to show those all the time. At our old, old live shows, you know, that we used to do back in Queens where we would just show videos. Like, we, every month, we had a new fucking piece of bullshit that was just like this, and it never occurred to me that the people who posted them were taking it deadly seriously. I never thought... And they thought it was the best thing that anyone had ever produced. That it meant a lot to them. It meant so much. What are you going to do? They don't know art. That's why you need the leftists. That's why you must have leftists. You're making all the stuff. As far as what Brevik's defense was, he claimed self-defense against the threat of multiculturalism and Islam and presented his manifesto as the evidence that justified his actions. Yeah, he wrote his uh, ending statement. He never expected to get off. He just wanted he just wanted to use this as a platform. Yes. At one point, he took to the witness stand and brought along a lengthy written statement, which he read in a fast, somewhat high-pitched monotone. Brevik hoped for applause throughout, but instead got sighs, shrugs, and yawns. This is where the deep loneliness really comes in, because he there was this kind of thought in his head. This is where it's, he's delusional and bad at everything. Where he thought that he was going to read this out and everyone's going to be like, oh, wow. Yeah, never thought yeah, of it that way. I never thought about that way. Anders, you're f- fucking incredible. And it's, nah. Yeah. They are just like, uh, again, no outrage either. No. Not people like, damn you. But I think he also thought he was going to get, I think he would have accepted that also gladly. But it was just he thought it was going to be televised or something? Yeah, yeah he did. He thought it was going to be televised. He but thought he the knew- whole world was coming to a screaming halt for Anders Breivik. And that everyone, he's finally going to, the, the 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 revulsion and the celebration yeah. all at once. And he'd be at his, po- like, I think in his head, he's like, they're going to put me at a podium. And I'm mm-hmm. and I'm going to zig Heil. And everyone's going to be like, yeah, finally we get to do it too. And you know, thing is that you could do it at any time you should you know like it's difficult to do it yeah mm-hmm. and it's weird because it's like he thinks it's like a thing of honor but he's there zig heiling it's like all right go back to your fucking hole that is yeah. what they did you know? yeah. <laughs> like- yeah 
And Brevik bulldozed through that written statement, even after the judge told him, hey, you're 30. We said you give you 30 minutes, 30 minutes up. And the judge asked him, like, are you done yet? And he's and Brevik pathetically said, I'm only on page six of 13. She should cut he, him off, though. I do. And that's the one thing he's been like, just fucking cut him the fuck off. Yeah. But then they but they said that it would be good for people to hear how much of a moron he is, essentially. Yeah. It could have just taken it out of his hands and fucking pissed on it in front of him. <laughs> that would have been it would have been very good. They don't do it in public spaces in Norway. They are they are very clean. Yeah. And on and on Brevik went, reading faster and faster just so he could get to the end, all while stopping to complain that he'd already condensed it down to 13 pages from 20. I don't know what you want from you me. Get I'm already this Microsoft Word away from him. <laughs> yeah. Single space, double space? I mean it is single space. I would imagine. Finally Brevik finished and predicted the first public reading of his ideals had been met with nothing more than utter boredom. Now, that's not to say that Anders Breivik's manifesto isn't dangerous. It is. It is still. It's highly dangerous. He got enough fan mail where he complained that he wasn't given enough stamps to reply to everyone. And as we've mentioned twice already, the Christchurch shooter was inspired by the manifesto Breivik had shot out. We can talk all the shit we want about him, but these ideas are fucking extremely dangerous. If you look yeah. up the stupid little terms he uses, you can see how it proliferates amongst a bunch of other, like, hate groups. And yeah. they use it as new ways to talk. And they look up to him. This is the thing about little people, like little shitheads that are looking up to him. Like, it's it's very interesting because we what we all make fun of him for and and kind of attack him for, they view as a badge of honor. They are accepting this yeah. this ridicule because mm -hmm. they have this belief that all pioneers, all prophets are ridiculed as they're rolled out, which is sometimes true. But you got to, I think people need to understand that life is an arc. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to think about, like, at the end of your life, they'll look upon your life and see, oh, he wasn't a little person. He did all this, blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, in this moment, you could see, like, it didn't, it doesn't do anything like mm -hmm. you, you like there, there is no end to this arc. It yeah. does not go. It is not working. Like the thing you do is not going to work, but they look up to him as if he's like, I'm a shithead with no talent. I could get on TV too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like, if you send him fan mail, aren't you then just like watched forever? There were people that uh, there was one guy in particular that was proliferating all like during the trial, like getting all of his shit out there, like, you know, facilitating, you know, fan mail, doing all this shit. And they found out it was just some dumpy fuck in South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And, yeah. Then, and then we got a Dylan Roof. Yep. Brevik's heroes, however, did not stand behind him. Fjordman himself. Yeah. Brevik's favorite author was called to testify. Predictably, he was found to be a short, ugly little fella uh, in his short 30s. Short is not the problem. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Most a good short man is more powerful than a good tall man. I don't think that's true. Yeah, at all. I, don't, true. I don't think that's true in any a way whatsoever. A good short man is better is it? than a tall good man. Just saying it doesn't make it real. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. I love it. But there aren't aren't short good men still looked down on? Only physically. <laughs> <laughs> Only physically. Allegorically, I know what you're saying. And it's not a good room. <laughs> well, Fjordman roundly rejected Brevik as insane and said that he'd done a disservice to the anti-Islam movement by sullying it with blood. I'm sick of all of my hate being fiddled with this murder. Can't we just hate? <laughs> Brevik was further humiliated when the only part of his trial that was actually televised was his psychiatric review. It painted him as, from my point of view, 
a clinical little bitch yep. who was unable to tolerate frustration, experience guilt, or maintain relationships. Brevik proved their point by having emotional outbursts multiple times on live TV because he wasn't allowed to respond in real time. <laughs> that is literally what he did. <laughs> Yeah. That literally, that is, yes. Yeah. The psychiatrist continued by saying that Brevik was a, quote, lonely, deeply lonely person who desperately wanted a community. Yeah. But when he didn't find one, even amongst extremists like Fjordman, he created a fictional society with himself at the center. Because he couldn't be a part of a community in which he wasn't the leader and king of that little world. Like, yeah. it, it could never be, he was a toy. Acting like a king. Mm -hmm. He had, should have just, like, you gotta be amongst us, bro. Mm -hmm. Now, after the testimony, the cameras were turned off and Brevik was allowed to respond. He said that he'd never been lonely. Not once. He's got a lot of friends. You'd be, you be surprised. <laughs> I tried to throw a birthday party and not everybody could fit into a restaurant. <laughs> and, and he definitely been out on a whole bunch of dates. I'm always yeah. dating. Everywhere I go, I know every happy hour and I know when the people, I know how to dance, <laughs> cha-cha, with all the different, every lady, big buxom, big heavy breast. <laughs> I love a lady and I, ooh, I hate the penis. I hate the big veiny delicious penis. I, I just, I'm I am one of many. <laughs> but after <Fucking> bitch. <laughs> Everybody likes me. Nobody hates me. But after the farce that was Brevik's trial finally ended, he was sentenced to the maximum of 21 years in prison, which is going to be extended by five years every time there's an opportunity to do so. The only thing I'm concerned about is the fact that they, because they're so like forthright in that country, Again, it's not like us where we just been like, even if this was a rule, like we'd be like, yeah, sure. Yeah. But like they seriously listen to him every five years. Well, every five they, years, he's going to roll out. They treat everybody the same. Yes. I respect yeah. that. I, I understand. I absolutely respect that. I, every, I get it. I get yeah, it. I know every that, single person. I mean, they, they, are, they believe in rehabilitation, but if he just gets better at lying, it's going to be bad. They're not going to let, ever let him out. I, I don't I don't want them to. No. I really wish they just someone would knock the shit out of him. He's in isolation. He can't. He's go gonna anywhere. go his whole life without ever getting the shit kicked out of him. I do believe if he gets out of jail, he's not gonna last long. But who knows? I don't think he'll ever get out of jail. But, yeah. But no, I don't think he's ever been beat. Maybe he was probably beaten up as a kid a Maybe. few times. Maybe. Yeah. Well, as of today, Brevik is 12 years in, but he's certainly made a lot of noise since being put away. In fact, one might say that he's almost more well-known today for complaining about his living conditions than for his political beliefs. Even though he basically lives in a nice one-bedroom apartment with a dishwasher, microwave, washing machine, flat-screen TV, and access to a basketball court and workout equipment, he still paints himself as a tortured victim. He's got a better apartment than a lot of comedians. Mm -hmm. He should have to wash his own dishes. <laughs> well, you like see, that was one of the... the least. They like, actually yeah. did that for a while. There was a period of time where he was trying to get like these various favors, but he was so used to his mother cleaning for him, doing everything, that he literally would like leave all these messes and they would be like, Anders, you're not going to get fucking, uh, I, I don't know what it is, like boo-boo time, whatever they called it for when he gets to go to the basketball court. Like, you can't go to recess unless you do this. And then he would, like, pout and shit. And finally, he, he started cleaning his room mm -hmm. for the first time. So is he in total isolation? Yeah, yes. he's in complete and total isolation. So he's, he doesn't talk to anybody. He's got two guys. Like two guards. There's two guys he sees. There's other two uh, isolated pr prisoner guys that he can kind of see. Mm-hmm. 
Well, most famously, he complained that he was unhappy with his PlayStation 2. Instead, he wanted a PlayStation 3 because it offered, in his opinion, more suitable adult games. Sick of Sonic. He actually, it was Rayman. He's like, Rayman Origins is a game for three-year-olds. It's for three-year-olds. I'm an adult, and I will be treated as such. I want to get Monopoly. <laughs> he also, at one point, threatened to starve himself unless he was given access to a sofa and a bigger gym. Go and they ahead. did give him a yeah. sofa. They gave him a leather sofa. A leather sofa? Yeah. yeah. Which, honestly, is the worst of all the sofas. I hate leather sofas. It's an opinion. It's hot in the summer, and it's cold in the winter. Exactly. I don't like your it either, it. but I've had nice times. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's a punishment in and of itself. <laughs> See, just like his rambling... A photon is punishment. Yes. I would believe. See, just like his rambling manifesto, Brevik's complaints go on and on and will likely do so until he finally dies in prison. Likewise, his manifesto itself is receding into history. Like every other person who uses murder to get their point across, Brevik's legacy will not be his ideas. Instead, he will be remembered not as a brave member of the Knights Templar who kicked off a revolution, but rather as a murderous fool. His only remaining role in this world is, appropriately, to complain about the supposedly cruel conditions in Norwegian prison, which is, in all reality, the nicest prison system in the entire world. You know what? A revolution I wish that he had concentrated on more? The dance Dance, Dance Revolution. revolution. <laughs> because that would have done a lot more. Yeah. You know, and we have watch a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race together. Yeah, we really are. But we're, I'm, lo- I'm on season six right now. Yeah, I'm really I'm enjoying loving it. it. And I think Jinx that... Jinx Monsoon. Love you. Truly mm-hmm. believe that if he just let some bass in his walk, <laughs> he would have done a lot better than this. If he had learned to serve yeah. versus kill. Yeah. I mean, he is pretty good at a read. But I want you to say, honestly, guys out there, if you're writing a manifesto right now, and if you want to go out there and kill, I would say, obviously, don't do that. You better work. Yeah. <laughs> right? And I need you to take that energy and put it out on the dance floor. Yeah, and up the font size. Yeah. <laughs> up the font size. Honestly, the manifesto was a, was a nightmare to read. Yeah. Very small yeah, fonts. Yeah. Actually, I take it back. He couldn't read at all. Yeah. He was terrible. He was terrible at the read. Oh, yeah, he yeah. can't do, no, he's a, yeah. well, he's not a funny man. No. He's not funny, he's not charismatic, he's not even a good terrorist. No. He's just a shithead that killed a lot of very easy people and is extremely sad that he did so. Low very, fish game. Yes, he was low fish game. <laughs> Definitely not serving cunt. Um, which is interesting, because you think it'd be bad. Yeah, but it's good. <laughs> it is good, though. That's what we yeah. learned. Um, all right, go to patreon.com slash slash podcast on the left if you want to see us do this, because it is there visually. You can yeah. also see the Patreon feed. You get last stream on the left live, and you can comment and be a part of all the shenanigans when we do that on a Tuesdays. Go mm-hmm. check it out and go see the stupid it's the TikTok. At LP on the left. Is it on the TikTok? And the Instagram at LP on the left. I don't know what it does. The TikTok? People like it. It's where Jesus is. No, it's not. Jesus is nowhere on there except for the, it's just China. Hold on. Jesus isn't Chinese. <laughs> I was years, hoping. I was hoping. <laughs> I mean, go to twitch.tv slash LPNTV. We got some really good stuff coming out this week. And I think we got, yeah, Tears of Clown was really fun. 
this week with Carolina. She's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, Carolina came on and talked yeah. about 80 sitcoms this week. She did really great. Someplace underneath, we got Brighter Side. Good, yeah. but it's going to come back because of our intrepid technical director, Eric. I want you to wish him luck because it's going to be a, a daddy. Yeah. So he's got to go on paternity leave, which is intense. Yep. And uh, also this Monday, we're going to have our monthly No Dogs in Space live stream. So uh, this Monday, oh yeah, it's it's Leap Day today. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's Leap Day. So my so the way I'm thinking about things, the dates are all fucked up. I yeah, gotta look it up. Everything's wrong. Yeah, this uh, March fourth at um, six p.m. PST, Ooh. nine p.m. EST. Woo. We're gonna be doing No Dogs in Space live. Gonna be showing some videos. Gonna be doing a good vinyl haul. I might, yeah, I, yeah. I might do a Mort Garson vinyl haul, but I haven't quite decided. Don't on Don't spoil we'll these people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, and on Wednesday at uh, 5 p.m. PST is going to be the brighter side with Amber and I. So come on, show up, bring us your problems. We'll give you the positives to your problems. And then following after that, we're going to stay on every other Wednesday, but we're moving back an hour. Yeah, great. I love oh, it. Yeah. Uh, and then someplace underneath, it's going to be every Wednesday, too. So yeah. it's going to be really fun. I um, uh, There was one other thing I wanted to bring up. Coming, coming, coming. LPN Deep Dives Dune. LPN Deep Dives Dune. Go check it out. It is on its own uh, feed. Now, I am going to be doing with my intrepid human wife, Holden McNeely. Mm-hmm. We are going to be doing a review of Dune 2. I'm seeing it again for the second time tonight. I cannot wait. Yeah. It is very good. It's real fucking good. Are, um, are you and Holden just doing one episode or are you going to do multiple? No, we'll do one. Just one? We'll, we'll, we'll help. Okay. Good. We'll help everyone. No. You people need that because I'm sure you won't understand it otherwise. Oh, and also, <laughs> so next week... We're coming back. Last podcast and left is doing one of my fan favorite things that we've done the last couple of years. I'm really excited to do it for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got another super long series coming right after that. We fucking got a lot of work. We, I'm excited for 2024. We got mm-hmm. a lot of good subjects this year. Yeah. Next, I'll give you a little hint for next week. Brackets. 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 March Madness? Don't do the it. The March Madness <laughs> killer? Don't you do it. Florida Atlantic University. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. See you next week. Hail Satan. Again. Hail Norway. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I yeah. like I like Norway. I've, they're, they're I've never been. I've never been. I'd love to go. Yeah, they seem wonderful people. Stockholm yeah. was wonderful when the one I went, but I don't I think they're very different. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that. Like, I feel like that's bad you can't say that it's not the same. It's not the same, but it's not the same. But it's I've just, never I've never been to Norway. But I want to go to Norway. You know, I love my Iceland, you know. I know. So. Again, it's not Scandinavian. It's not it's, it's not, not well, no, it's culturally Scandinavian. But some it's people not. say that that means nothing. Well, I mean there's differing opinions on everything. If you keep this up, I'm gonna IKEA your cars. Whoa. And again, they can't from the Greece counselor. The Greece counselor. The Greece counselor. Yes. Yum, 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 yum. Did I have any jokes I didn't say? Let's see here. Um, nah. All right. Let's get <laughs> out of here. <laughs> Bye, fuckers. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. 
Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.